Ladies and gentlemen, welcome episode 40 of Jordan and Drew, the sports crew. We are getting there, boys and girls. 10 away from the big episode 50, and we got some big stuff coming up for you guys. We're going to talk all about it here in this episode, but if you're new to the sports crew, see what I did there? Kind of round. Jordan Lorenz here, host of the podcast, my co-host, the one and only Drew Skyberg. Drew, how are you doing? And we're recording on a Saturday, just beautiful snow outside. I mean, what a day. Yeah, it's snowing down here in Milwaukee pretty hard, and it's it's great time down down here. And I know you're up in Manitowoc, and I'll be back up there for Christmas in a few weeks, so I'm really looking forward to it. Oh, we can't wait. Hoodie giveaways coming. Well, not giveaways, but they're being given out, I guess, is a better way to put it. That'll be coming up for Drew. We were talking about it before we got on. We also have a very special three days of Christmas giveaway coming up a few weeks from now. So stay tuned to that. Some good stuff there. The winner of the pod league is the winner of the same merchandise item that we are giving out on the holiday giveaway. So maybe potentially someone could win two of the same thing. You never know, but that is a possibility. We'll talk about that once we get closer, but first guys, don't forget to follow us on the Instagram, Jordan drew underscore sports crew. We're almost at a hundred posts on Instagram. So it is very, very big over there. YouTube, we're up to 30 subscribers now. So, I mean, it's been steadily moving up recently. Our views are ticking in the right direction. We love to see it. Jordan drew the sports crew on there and on Facebook. Other than that, let's talk about some of the content, right? So last week we had a three episode week on Wednesday. It was your UWM Panther season recap with Elise Fisher. And then on Friday, it was our college bowl game preview show with Johnny Tim Yesterday was my UFC recap. Boy, was it a big show at the time of recording. I don't know who won yet. We The show didn't happen. I am so, so excited for this. They always stack the last pay-per-view of the year, and this is the exact same thing. So here today is episode 40. Drew, what do we have coming up the rest of the week? Because Friday, we've got something big, a brand new series. You bet we do, Jordan, but let's start on Wednesday. We got Episode 7 of Drew's College Athlete Spotlight. We got Hunter Kreplin coming on, a runner at Milwaukee. He's cross-country and track, a freshman. He's from Brilliant. He'll be on Wednesday to do the 7 of Drew's College Athlete Spotlight. Friday, then, we start a new series here on Jordan and Drew, the sports crew. As you guys saw last week, we made the announcement. We reached an agreement. Zach Roush and Jared Valeski will be joining the sports crew, and there will be a series run with myself and those two individuals. It's called... Zach, Jared, and Drew's Journey to a Million, episode one, and that's going to be airing next Friday. I mean, that's the first episode, of course, and it'll be great. Um, we'll, we'll get into more of the details of it on the episode, but if you guys like, if you like sports, and if you like daily fantasy sports and fantasy sports, you're going to love that series, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Those guys, I mean, I've known these guys forever, and it, it'll be a fun talk because it's going to be more of kind of a roundtable kind of discussion, and it'll be funny. I, I guarantee it. I'm... I mean, those guys are funny. I believe, I mean, myself, I'm, I'm a funny guy too. So it'll be great. So make sure to give it a listen. A lot more laid back than this one, probably. That's for sure. Exactly. But that'll be coming up on Friday. Exactly. Pun intended right there. But hey, I mean, uh-huh. I'm very excited for it. You guys will be, you'll definitely enjoy it. That's for sure. Working on a logo so we can hopefully get that all up and ready to go for Friday. Let's not waste any more time. Not a doubt in my mind. The shout out of the week goes to Luke Pouts. 47 points against two rivers a Roncalli school record. Obviously his career high. When I announced Tuesday, when they were at new Holstein, he put up 36, which was one short of his career high. 
So the dude nearly put up 100 points in the span of two games. Drew, I'm not even going to ask you to comment on Luke at this time. We'll talk about it when we get to our EW. I got a lot, so. It's a lot of high school this week. We are going to focus heavily on our high school basketball, EWC especially. You're going to be a lot there. Boys and girls, I got some ships to talk about as well. We'll get into all that's one of the new things I like to do before we get into it. Just kind of preview what this episode has. So this week, we've got a lot of stuff. There's going to be a little hockey talk, not the segment, but Arizona Coyotes, they got themselves in some deep waters. Maybe things are all fixed out there. We're going to talk a little bit of NFL football, mention the Vikings Steelers game on Thursday. The Vikings nearly blew it. Then we'll preview the Rams and Cardinals big time football game tonight on Monday Night Football. little trivia session before we get to the actual trivia. It'll be a fun laid-back edition where we talk about the NFL teams and their Instagram followers. We'll have that, and then we'll talk about the Bucks. We'll talk about college basketball and high school. So we'll go down the ladder there. We've got some Brewers talk as well to get into. So all of that coming up on episode 40 of the Sports Crew. Let's do it. Stats of the week. We got a few not as many as last week. However, there's still some good ones in here. Let's start. Mark andre Fleury, his 500th career win as a goaltender. Can't say enough good things about him and what we, he did to put the Vegas Golden Knights franchise on the map. 375 of his 500 wins came as a member of the Pittsburgh Penguins. And it blows my mind, he had 117 wins with the Golden Knights franchise. That is way more than I expected. Now, so far this season, he's got eight wins. As a part of the Blackhawks, there was speculation if he would retire once he got traded from Vegas, but he did not. He's been playing with Chicago. So there's that for him. LeBron James, fifth player in NBA history to record 100 triple doubles. Let's talk football. Got a lot of football to round out the rest of these. Patriots and Bills last Monday, their Monday night football game, it was terrible. The weather conditions, it was not good at all. Patriots only threw the ball three times. However, that game averaged almost 15 million viewers. Most watched Monday Night Football games since the opener. Drew, why, why would people be tuning into that game? It's like not even that big of teams, but I don't understand. Maybe nothing else is on TV or something. Well, yeah, with the Patriots and Bills, though, like really that game, that game had a lot of playoff implications, if you think about it, because like whoever won that game was like, like going to be a one or a two seed, and whoever lost, you know, is moving down to like the bottom of the seeding, like six or seven. It really, it really meant a lot in the playoff implications and for the division. So that that's why the stakes were so high. And plus, I mean, look in Buffalo and New England. I mean, you're looking at the East Coast area. A lot of teams, a lot of a lot of them watching this game, and just a big audience. And it was, I mean, it was an entertaining game. I think too. I mean, granted, it was only it was different. Just running, it, sure. yeah, it was different. It was felt old school. It really did. And the summer sports spectacular yep. guys go back and listen to those baby Super Bowl three. That's what we got to see there. So let's talk about the one and only Kurt Bankert. He's been in the league 1,319 days. And yesterday was his first time suiting up. So Packers bears Sunday night football. We hope the Packers absolutely washed the bears. I don't expect it to be close. Justin Fields is returning for the game. We do have to mention that Randall Cobb is out for a while now. So MVS, put him in your fantasy lineup. So he'll probably be getting even more work. Hopefully Lazard gets back into it as well. But 1,319 days, finally gets an opportunity to suit up. Thanks to Jordan Love getting COVID. Obviously not the best thing to happen there. But hey, good for Kurt Banker. That's all we can say. So college football, we're going to save that for last. Jonathan Taylor, first player in NFL history to have a touchdown in 10 straight games for his 23rd birthday. 
going to put you on the spot real quick. Do you think Braylon Allen has a chance to be the next Jonathan Taylor in the big league? Tough. Um, I'm going to say yes. I think he has the potential. He His potential is insane. I think there's a lot of, I mean, look how young he is. He's 19 right now. And I, th- I think 17. 17. Oh, I thought he was really oh, 17. Oh, did he turn 18? I think he turns 18. He might have. That's he what might I meant. Have. My bad. Yeah. And, but yeah, he's his potential's through the roof. So I'm going to say, yeah, certainly. I mean, Braylon Allen is going to be someone who, as long as he stays this hot in college football, he's going to be so high on the list of just getting your, I mean, I can't, we can't say enough good things about the Fond du Lac natives. So best pass to touchdown ratio. What best passing touchdown to interception ratio since 2019. That is what I meant to say. Rogers dominated this 7.46 was his ratio. That was first. And Patrick Mahomes was second with 4.05. The big one I wanted to mention though, Gardner Minshew with 3.36. We saw him come off the bench last week as quarterback, led his team to a victory, but Gardner Minshew is on this list and he's actually higher than Tom Brady. Tom Brady has 3.24. I'm sure Brady would have something to say about that compared to the number of starts, but I mean, wow, good for Gardner Minshew. And finally, Michigan, they're the first team to reach the college football playoff after being unranked in the preseason poll. So Again, guys, listen to our college football playoff preview show. We talked about Heisman candidates. We talked about the newest bowl game that got added. We previewed the New Year's Six Bowls along with the Wisconsin Badgers in the Las Vegas Bowl. So a lot of great, good, deep conversations in there. Half-hour episode, a little technical difficulties with it at first. We have no clue what happened, but it's all up and running now, so nothing to worry about. Let's move on on this day. December 13th is our date today. This is a date I will never forget because of one of the things that's coming up here in this section. So first, 1931, on this day, the National Football League Championship, the Green Bay Packers at 12-2 and two win third straight. And they're the I don't understand what this means. It says win third straight, first past the post title. Do you have any idea what that means? Um, I'm, I'm trying to uh, win third straight first. Pat, okay, what? No. I have no idea what that means. Our on this day site is usually great. It's got a ton of good stuff, but it says win third straight first past the post title. Like did they win three games straight after their, um, their first title? I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't, don't even try to make sense of it. It doesn't even make sense. It's maybe someone will understand out there, but I don't know. I don't, I just don't know. So let's move on five years later. Once again, though, on this day, 1936, National Football League Championship, the Green Bay Packers beat the Boston Redskins 21-6. This was the Packers' fourth title. And after this, the Redskins moved to Washington, D.C. for the next season. Moving on now, 1983, we're going quite a few years later. On this day, 9,655 people see the highest scoring game in NBA history. Detroit, 186. Denver, 184. Sir? I, you remember this, right, Jordan? Yes. This is episode. This is the, was this the pilot? I think it was. It's the pilot or episode one. It was the pilot that I remember getting that Golison back. I, I guessed the score of the game. It was a long time ago. That's for sure. Is this something you also got to see in like the basketball hall of fame? I was sure is somewhere all around there. Yeah, but I went there after. So it was cool to revisit guessing that right. True. But yeah, unreal. And now this next one, it was kind of fitting because of something you did with an old episode on this day in 2007. The Mitchell Report is publicly released 
listing the names of 89 MLB players that have presumably used anabolic steroids and human growth hormones. Notable players include Roger Clemens and Miguel Tejeda. So I just wanted to throw that in there because your Hall of Fame episode and stuff like that made me think of it. So we got a few Heisman winners on this day in 19, on this day in 2010, the 76 Heisman Trophy Award winner, Cam Newton, won the Heisman Award on this day in 2010. Let's go five years later on this day in 2015. The 81st Heisman goes to Derek Henry, Alabama running back. And this is the big one. On this day in 2015, Conor McGregor knocks out Jose Aldo in 13 seconds to win the featherweight title. This was the first UFC pay-per-view I ever ordered. And it's, that's some throwback right here. Six years ago, I was going to order the one before it, UFC 193. That one was basically on my birthday. That was the iconic show. Two women's title fight, the main event. Holly Holm knocks out Ronda Rousey with the head kick in the second round. I passed on that one. I waited for Conor McGregor, one of the guys who really got me into the sport. And he knocked out Aldo in 13 seconds. And, you know, a lot of people would say it's a waste. You pay $60 and your main event lasts 13 seconds. But, hey, it was the atmosphere. I was jumping up and down. I was so excited. This was, was something else. And that's really all I got to say about that. Listen to my UFC recap yesterday. Hopefully, fingers are crossed, Dustin Poirier is our lightweight champion of the world. That's all I got. No stamps said. We're done with that. Haven't had anything new yet. So time for our weekly sports talk segment. Let's get right into it. Talking about football, the Steelers on Thursday Night Football, they trailed 29-0. I turned the game off. You know, I was like, I'm sick of this. The Vikings were dominating. Justin Jefferson started off huge. And then Dalvin Cook put up monstrous numbers. But I turned it back on fourth quarter. It was like right at the start. It was 29-14, I believe. Steelers were starting to come back. And then all of a sudden, Kirk Cousins just decides to throw a stupid interception, and the Steelers end up within one touchdown. They came all the way back, and then on their final drive, they had less than two minutes left. No timeouts, I might add. Chase Claypool gets a big first down and decides to celebrate. So he's celebrating. There's probably 20-some seconds left on the clock celebrating they fumble the not actually fumble the ball but when they go to give it to the ref he loses hold of it so probably 10 seconds came off the clock as they were waiting to get this play they finally get it down three seconds left have one play to go pat fryer muth he drops it in the end zone it was great defense it wasn't really his fault at all but the steelers nearly came back they would have needed a two-point conversion to tie it up but i mean unreal there vikings almost blew it so Let's preview the Rams and Cardinals here tonight. An absolutely huge game in the NFC. The Rams got their rebound win last week. They beat Jacksonville. Matthew Stafford is in for a test against this Cardinals defense. Obviously, they've got OBJ, who's been cooking lately. He's finally finding himself. Van Jefferson is a solid. Cooper Cup, obviously locked in. Still some speculation around Daryl Henderson and what he's going to be doing, but This Cardinals offense has Chase Edmonds back. Edmonds is coming back off the IR. Obviously, James Conner has been an absolute stud for the team, but Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins, Chase Edmonds, all in the lineup now. Cardinals beat the Rams earlier in the season. What are your expectations here tonight? Rams and Cardinals, the rematch. It's got big-time playoff implications. It really does, and if you're a Packer fan, you're certainly rooting for the Rams. And just looking... I mean, 37-20, the Cardinals beat the Rams in week four. But we got to look here. They're playing in Arizona, and the Rams are actually – or not the Rams, but the Cardinals are only 3-2 and two at home this year. They're 7-0 and oh on the road, so that's an yeah, interesting – they're a hot road team. 
They really are. And I don't know, like you mentioned, though, with all those guys back for the Cardinals, I, I have Chase Edmonds on fantasy, fantasy. I certainly need him to do some great things this week if he really gets into the lineup a bunch. But with Connor, it's going to be tough considering they're going to probably be splitting some time. But I don't know. I, I, I'm certainly rooting for the Rams in this game, though, just because for the Packers, of course. But, you know, I, I think this that Kyler Murray to DeAndre Hopkins connection, I think if that's if that's something that is very effective this game or is able to be with him back, I certainly think the Rams are going to have their hands full. But we'll, we'll have to wait and see. And I'll be certainly, I think I'm going to try to watch this game, but we'll we'll see. Milwaukee plays at at or against Rhode Island that night, so I'll certainly be watching that game too. Be there, there actually. Picture-in-picture picture action, you can watch it during the breaks. I don't go out of my way to watch a lot of Monday Night Football games, but this is what I'm going to have to see because this is big-time football. And I'm a, I have Chase Edmonds on my Dynasty League, so I'm very glad to have him back. But I have James Conner on my Big League, and it's just – it's a little interesting because Chase Edmonds, you got to rely on him to get a bunch of yards and touches because James Conner is the goal line back. He's the one that always ends up getting those goal line red zone carries, scoring the touchdown. So Chase Edmonds, I think he's kind of a risky start this week against the Rams, but it's way too late for me to give you any fantasy advice. So at the end of the day, whatever you did, hopefully if you did start Chase Edmonds, if anyone is listening, has Chase Edmonds and you started him, hopefully it works out. I probably wouldn't. But, I mean, I'm in desperation mode in my Dynasty League, so I'll start them and we'll hope for the best. So let's do a little round of trivia. This is interesting because I saw this graphic and it was talking about the NFL teams with the most Instagram followers, right? And it's kind of blew my mind. So I'm going to make you predict how some of these teams rank, right? So the Packers, out of the 32 teams, where do you think the Packers rank in terms of Instagram followers? Okay, well, we have to take into account the size of the area. Of course, Packers being in the smallest city to to Green Bay being the smallest city to have an NFL team. But you know what? The Packers brand's so big, I don't think that's going to play any effect in it. I say they are in the top five. They are number five. So you were like right on it. That is very, very good. Do you have any guesses as to who the top four are? Okay, all of them are interesting. Brands, Cowboys. Cowboys is second. Okay, and then we're going to say bigger brands. Are the Giants going to be on there? Are they that? The Giants are seventh. Oh, okay. Well, so they're top 10, but not top five. Um, I'll keep riddling off some teams that I think are bigger brands. Let's think. I think then are like the 49ers in there. They're six. So, uh, I mean, you've got five, six, seven. There you go. Okay. I'll take that. I got <sighs> two with the Cowboys. Yep. Um, ooh, well, I'm going to go then the Chiefs. They're actually ninth. They were they are oh, lower wow. than I anticipated I, them. I would have with the recent hype, and I'm going to go Seahawks too, just to say. Seahawks, Seahawks are four. Yeah, yeah. Number three is a tough one. Number one is kind of obvious when you hear it, but another one I was surprised in. Just to say it, the Cardinals are 23rd, which I thought is kind of low. Doesn't and also me. the Rams are 20th, which I found very interesting, being yeah. in LA and all. Well, they were in St. Louis, I think, because you got to yeah. realize St. The social media has been around for like the decade now already. So uh-huh. I think you got to take that into account. Just looking over teams that have these big brands. Patriots are number one, probably, right? Yep. There I missed, you go. Okay. Yep. Just I want to hit them right away. So I got one, two, five, six, and seven. That's. And you got four. We I just got to oh, figure yeah. out three. Number I got to figure out three. Three is going to be. Ooh. Yeah. We'll give you one more guess. Okay. I'll take one more guess and I'm going to go. I'll say Falcons. The Falcons are 21st. Oh, wow. I figured number 
Yeah, I thought three was a tough one here. Number three is the Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh, I was going to guess them because I just think of teams who've had success over long periods of time. Yeah, I really understandable. So the Browns are 15th. They're they're there. Um, The Ravens are 13th, which is kind of interesting because they've been doing well. But just looking at the separation, right? Patriots in first, 4.4 million followers. Packers in fifth, 2.4 million. So that's how big of a difference it is between them. Cowboys have 3.8 million. The bottom ones, it's kind of easy to guess, but it's also kind of interesting. The Jacksonville Jaguars are 32nd, so I feel like that one's pretty easy to guess. Houston Texans are 16, which is their, I guess, Texas market, so that kind of explains it. The Bengals are 31st, so they're pretty down there. The Titans are 30th, which is interesting. Being in Tennessee and all, I figured they could be a little higher. Lions are 29th and Jets are 28th. So, I mean, that was kind of obvious that those ones would be lower, but a little surprising with some of these. So I figured I'd just throw it in here and a nice little fun thing in the episode, but let's move on, sir. You have a lot of Brewer stuff you wanted to mention because there are some changes coming with this team. Yeah, I, I always like giving some Brewer updates. You know, we used to do that bobblehead talk, talk about some giveaway roles. We're going to kind of talk a little bit about what's going on right now with the Milwaukee Brewers in terms of just like the media relations and all that good stuff. We'll start talking about Brewers on deck. So I mean, that's an event I always attend every year when it goes on. But with COVID, of course, it didn't happen in 2021. But we're looking at it right now. The club has decided not to have the Brewers on deck fan event in 2022. That's official. It is not happening. I am sad. Cool. Very sad. I usually, that's where I go and get some baseball cards. Usually do some bargaining with some guys, get some autographed cards. But there you go. not Very happening smart. this year. And they still credit, um, ooh, I mean, they don't even, they're not even crediting or saying it's because of COVID-19 right now. That is interesting. That, that, so this event might not happen, you know. Yeah, could be gone. Like done, done. Could yeah. be done, done. But that was one thing. We also have to mention, we mentioned Matt LePay being done already in a previous episode, but we have to talk more about Brian Anderson. It looks like Brian Anderson, I mean, he, we, he's excellent. It, it is Milwaukee is so lucky to have him. Valley Sports, Wisconsin. They are they are unbelievably lucky to have a guy like him. And truly the audience is as well. Phenomenal guy. And you know, he's got other the national market is recognizing this and they want him, of course. You know, he does NBA playoffs, he does some national MB, MLB games like playoffs. And then also he does golf for CBS now too. So I mean he, he's he's a very busy guy and he does it all. Yeah, he's on 2K21 too. And on next gen, he he's the announcer on it. So he's people are recognizing how great this man is and brewers are still lucky to have him, but he, he requested to have less time with them with the Milwaukee brewers. And so he's moving down from usually around roughly a hundred games. He he's cutting that in half to 50 next year starting. And that's going to probably be the way it is the rest of the way out. And but looking at it, Anderson did emphasize that he does not want to leave his role with the brewers. He wants to stay, but he thinks, but for, for not like he has no reason he said, to pull away completely. And he also signed an extension to do Brewer games. So it's, he's still under contract. Yeah, he signed that a while ago. So it's kind of sucks for them that now he's stuck doing way less games, which yeah, I, I agree, but I, I think that's okay with Jeff Levering, the guy who's going to be coming on doing hundred to 110 10 games basically next year, which I'm looking forward to. I really like Jeff in the booth booth. He is a great guy. And that he was the guy who doing radio too. So that, that means like Lane Grindle is kind of the guy who, which Lane Grindle does Brewers on Deck podcast, which is actually really, really great. I, I recommend it. But um, just with that, they're going to have to find someone to help to fill that role, Jordan. So 
maybe if you want to submit your resume, uh, maybe we can see you doing some Brewer games because deal. They're traveling next year. They announced the TV and the radio. They they intend to travel to road games next year. So that'd be pretty cool. That's always fun though. That's one of the big things. If like you get to do baseball, like the past few years, I guess it's been nice for them because like you don't have to go anywhere. You know, you can just go American Family Field, close to home. I'm sure, but traveling is definitely the fun part. I know it must take a toll on a lot of people, but I think that's one of the best parts of the game. Anything else, Brewers wise? Um, yeah, one more thing. I I want to talk about. The signings the Brewers made, because, of course, Major League, you know, lockout is kind of, there's no more Major League transactions, but minor league moves, they can still happen. So we saw two new additions. First baseman, minor league deals, which this scares me, Jordan, because I don't think that Matt Olson trade that I've been pondering about that I want to happen. I don't think it's going to happen, even if, because they're they're signing these minor league guys. I think they're going to try with these guys go cheap again, but we'll, we'll see. Uh, Tyler White is one guy they signed. He's 31, and he had... His best year was in 2018 with the Astros. He bad 276, 12 home runs, 42 RBIs in 66, 66 games. And then his next season was kind of not good at all, 208. And three home runs, 23 RBIs in 83 games. And then he's been kind of around the minors, but he did well in the minors last year with Toronto, 292 um, average. And he had 900 OPS, so he, he was sitting at a pretty good level there for AAA. And hopefully he'll make an impact in the major league level. And then Jonathan Singleton was the other guy, which... Jordan, do you remember Jonathan Singleton at all? Vaguely. Yeah, he was a guy who the Astros were super high on. He he was known for getting a five-year, $10 million deal before even playing a major league game. Oh, so boy. They committed to him. He got suspended with drug abuse a couple times, and then he got eventually released. His, his The results weren't there either for this guy. 171. He's bad at 171. 151 strikeouts and 420 play appearances. And, and now we're picking him up? We are picking him up, and this was, but that was in 2014, 2015. He kind of made a, a resurgence in uh, what league was it? I believe it was in, oh, it was in the Mexican league with Mexico City Red Devils, and he bet 321, oh, okay. 12 hard OPS. So, I mean, granted, these guys are going to be kind of like boomer bust guys, basically. We're, we're, we're swinging for the fence. Yeah. And so, go ahead. First base is such a big position, too. In the first base, it's like, I don't understand why we don't try and get a big name guy because it's such Matt. a big position in the league for us to be stuck with guys like Keston Hira. And obviously, no offense to Rowdy Tellez and Daniel Vogelbach, but I mean, I guess I should put a little more respect on Rowdy's name. He's the only one that kept us in the playoffs. But those are just not everyday first baseman guys that are going to get us deep in the league. And now to just be, like you said, boomer bust with these guys and kind of just going all in and seeing what happens and whatever sticks, it's risky. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> you're exactly, you're saying exactly what I think too. Hopefully Matt Olson straight can still happen. I am. We talked about it with John, with Justin Brenner on our free agency special. Just get Matt Olson. You trade Aaron Ashby a package with Aaron Ashby and a few other guys. Cause you can do that and you get Matt Olson and everyone will be happy. I love Aaron Ashby. I don't care. I think I, I, I Jordan look at the rotation they have right now. I think you trade Aaron Ashby or you can trade, you trade a guy like Peralta. Sorry, well, yeah, I will well, get into That's a whole nother that is, but I mean, also Ashby might be one of those guys who they put in a middle reliever role and stick in there anyways. I don't think he's going to start unless he gets like that six spot start as we've been talking about. Yeah, but like how many innings would you get out of him then? Under 100? 90? Uh, I, don't, I don't know. Just, yeah, that's I don't know. A whole different thing. <laughs> well, I guess I guess it's time to move on after our deep brewers discussion here. We can't wait for baseball to be back. I'm you mean, bet. Spring training coming up. A few months. Hopefully. You, know, you can't. Yeah, don't even <laughs> don't even say that. I'll cancel my trip to Arizona if we don't get spring training. But 
Speaking of my trip to Arizona, this one scared me here. The Arizona Coyotes, they were nearly locked out of the Gila River Arena. So this arena changed names. It was the Talking Stick Resort Arena. Then it became the Gila River Arena. And the Coyotes contract is up after this year anyways. So things were getting wild. But they were going to kick out the Coyotes by December 20th if they didn't pay their taxes. So it ends up saying here, the city of Glendale reportedly threatened to bar the Coyotes from their home venue for delinquent tax bills and unpaid arena charges. But finally, everything got fixed out. I don't know how they did this, but they said it was human error as the reason why their state and city tax debt grew over $1.3 million. So that's a big human error, and certainly that just has to be an excuse, but they paid it nonetheless. And it says, we have already launched an investigation to determine how this could have happened, and the initial indications are that it appears the result of an unfortunate human error. That's what their statement said. Regardless, we deeply regret the inconvenience this has caused. We will make sure by tomorrow morning, the Arizona Coyotes are current on all of our bills and owe no state or local taxes whatsoever. We will take immediate steps to ensure nothing like this can ever possibly happen again. So this was a situation in the world of hockey. The Coyotes almost would have had to forfeit the rest of their 28 home games. I'm sure they would have found somewhere else to play them, but still, that is wild. Hockey Talk returns next week. Let's move on to the Milwaukee Bucks. Not a whole lot to say from the Bucks, I don't think, this week. However, just want to give a few score updates to pass your way this team. Last Monday, one week could go today to beat the Cavs 112-104. Heat, they just played a while back, and I feel like they just beat them without Giannis or something like 124 to 102 on the fourth was that one. But then in the eighth, they end up losing to the Heat. That's basketball for you. They beat the Rockets 123 to 114. And then yesterday, they had a morning game against the Knicks. So hopefully that all went well. But once again, it is a busy, busy week for this Bucks team. They host the, they head to the Celtics, head to Boston tonight. On the 15th, they host the Pacers. Then on the 17th, they go to New Orleans where they play the Cavs, the Pelicans. Then they host the Cavs on the 18th. This is a busy, busy week for the Bucks, Drew. It is, Jordan, and I'll be at that game Wednesday. You know what else is happening at that Wednesday game? You tell me. Dante DiVincenzo makes his season debut. It's a, it's oh, right now. Sources oh, are reporting to The Athletic that that is what's going to be happening, which I'm excited for. I get to watch that in person. And, yeah, that, that's going to be great to see DiVincenzo back for this Bucks team. It'll be big. But problem then, we'll see guys like Grayson Allen, Wesley Matthews, who we talked about was recently signed. These guys are going to take a back backstep basically George Hill I mean DiVincenzo is certainly gonna probably get worked in there and then he'll eventually take over that kind of role so we'll see we'll have to wait and see kind of how coach Boonholzer is gonna work around this with with DiVincenzo coming back it's almost like um you know they always talk about like how Chris Sale came during the trade deadline kind of like as like I mean he didn't really come at the trade deadline but like he came back from his injury and he was kind of like a trade deadline acquisition even though he wasn't that's kind of what DiVincenzo is gonna be like he's really going to be like this real, not really a deadline. I mean, it's not really a deadline yet, but like, he's kind of like yeah, this now, but still I get the point. He's kind of like an asset that they're going to add to this already great box team. So it's certainly going to help. And I'm really excited to have him back. Cannot wait to see him back. We'll talk about how he does. We'll talk about your experience at the game, all that good stuff coming up next week on the podcast. Let's talk about another big thing that happened. Now let's move down the ladder. As I said earlier on college basketball, Purdue number one, they lost to Rutgers, so the upsets continue in college basketball. A 70-68 in for win for Rutgers, thanks to a three-point buzzer beater, Ron Harper Jr. 
nails it, hit the dagger. Another number one team goes down. We saw it with Gonzaga. We saw it with Duke. Now we see it with Purdue. So upsets aplenty in college basketball. This is what I like to see. I love when things just get mixed up and you don't know what's happening or who can do what at what point in time. Badgers, Ohio State going on right now as we speak. Badgers down by five at the half. However, Badgers aren't afraid to trail. They were down by over 20 points against Indiana. Came back to win 64-59. Announcers were counting these boys out already in the first half. They were going back to like 1912 or something when a head coach won their first road game for a conference with their team. I mean, they pulled some stats out, but the Badgers didn't make it matter. They came back to win by five, 64-59. Not too much of a schedule for them coming up. They host Nichols State on the 15th. Then they don't play again until the 23rd. So, like, the schedule's a little relaxed for this team moving forward. Still some non-conference games, Nickel State, Morgan State, and Illinois State, all at home for this Badger team. So they don't have to go anywhere for a while after they hopefully defeated Ohio State. Do you have anything to say about this Badgers team right now? Um, well, Jordan, I'll tell you about the Marquette. I mean, we talked about the Marquette and um, Wisconsin game. Yes. Um, as you know, I'm not the biggest Wisconsin basketball fan, so I always prefer not to comment. But, of course, I, I can always talk about, I think, what's important. I think, we, as we know, Johnny Davis, he's a star. He really is. He's going to be a star. Tyler Wall, like as those two guys have been really those consistent guys. I mean, you can throw Davison in there, but I've sometimes I really don't see him as the most consistent kind of scorer. But I think those kind of three guys are going to be their secret to success, plus with that strong defense they have, and plus then with with Stephen Kroll too. I mean, I think he's really that X factor too. I think if he plays a big role, I mean, this Wisconsin team they could certainly make. I mean, right now I got them at I'd say a five or six seed in the tournament. Right now we're looking at Drew's bracketology, but um, is that a new segment? It could be, really could be. But um, yeah, Wisconsin they against Ohio state. I think if they lose this game, even I don't, I don't even think you can really punish them that much in terms yeah, of just no. with, with how they fared against other competition considering it's college basketball. It's a gauntlet. So the big 10 in general is going to be a gauntlet as well with the big East. So I really talk about a gauntlet in the big East. Let's go to Marquette, right? Let's go. Obviously Saturday night. So the game got moved back. It was going to be on Fox one thirty against UCLA travel issues gets pushed back to eight thirty on Fox sports Two. talk about a downgrade. However, it's still happening. This Marquette Eagles team on Saturday played UCLA. We hope for the best there. Drew is at the game on the 18th. So one week for, well, not one week from today, but one week from their last game, they play Xavier. So on the 18th, or let's go back. On the 11th, they play 8-1 UCLA. On the 18th, they play 8-1 Xavier. On the 21st, they play 8-2 UConn. On the 29th, they play 7-2 St. John's. And on January 1st, they play 7-2 Creighton. I mean, I could keep going. This team then plays Providence on the 4th, who is 9-1. DePaul, Seton John on the 11th and 15th. Both of those teams, 8-1. Villanova after that. Xavier, Seton Hall again. Stop. This is a gauntlet. This Stop. is a gauntlet. Yeah, and this is where, unfortunately, many fans or many people who follow college basketball, including myself, this is where Marquette's record plummets. This is why they are not projected in the tournament right now in many people's um brackets and this this is why because they're facing this schedule gets ridiculous i mean if we look it's uconn's bad. ranked st john gets st john's as champagne um whole posh alexander they, they have great guys over there it's in new york right now and 
Creighton, I mean, I think they can beat some of these teams that they'll, they'll be able to beat, but that Providence team beat Wisconsin, keep in mind. So that's certainly oh, a team yeah. not to mess around with. But yeah, this is where the schedule certainly gets tough. Villanova, like, holy crap. Uh, <laughs> it'll be, these are going to be, be some tough games to watch. But yeah, I'll be at the game. I was at the game Saturday night, and I'm really looking forward to it. I think Marquette actually is a, I think they have a shot in this game. I really do, Jordan, uh, right now. I do. I do as well. Juzang's a game time decision right now. And I think that's big. Lewis is out, though, is the big issue. Justin Lewis will not play Saturday night, or he did not play. And that's going to be a scary thing. But I really I think that that's more of a reason for guys like uh, Prosper, Marcel. We can see them kind of emerge, have some big games. Cam Jones. I like this Marquette team, Jordan. I really do. They're young. There's also go on my Twitter. I, I retweeted. There's a video of Shaka Smart dancing with the team after a victory. And it is the best thing ever. It is literally made my day watching it. Shaka Smart is in the middle of the circle dancing with the team. He is he is the heart and soul, basically, of that bench. And that's great because he's the head coach and he's the one who's dancing up and down. He's He's doing it all. He's just such a great guy to watch, coach, and really love the man. Shaka Smart. You got to lead by example, and he does just that. So let's move down now to our high school basketball. We're going to talk about girls first before we get to the guys. I just wanted to say the Lincoln girls got their second win of the year. Beat Sheboygan South 58-53. to This is a huge win for the Lincoln girls to get another win on their resume. I mean, this is a team that's been struggling with zero wins or one win for the past few years. It's been very tough to watch. They had one win last season. I'm just going to go back a little bit. I think they had one, yep, one win the year before that. I mean, they're just a team that doesn't get a whole lot of wins. They had two wins in the 2018-2019 season. So it's basically been three seasons since they had two wins. This is always a great thing for them to have. So great job to the Lincoln girls. As for the Lutheran girls, they're three and three. So they're sitting right at an even 500 so far on the year. On Tuesday, they had to Cedar Grove, Belgium, the start of a three-game road trip. They're coming off a loss to Mishkot. They started the season 2-0. and Things were looking good. Then they dropped the next two. They've split them since. So three and three for the Lutheran girls. As for the EWC girls, we take a look at the standings here. Kiel's the only unbeaten team, three and zero in conference. And then We've got Brilliant, Valders, Chilton, and New Holstein all sitting at 2-1. and one. TNR, 1-2. One and Roncalian Falls, 0-3. Oh Those teams still looking for their first wins of the year. But coming up this Tuesday, Chilton at New Holstein, Kiel at TR, Roncalli at Brilliant, and then Sheboygan Falls at Valders. So that's what we got for the girls' basketball. It's just it's one of those things where you look at a girl like, Olivia Harrell, 27 and a half points per game, leads the EWC. Megan Schumann behind her with 20.1. But Drew, I mean, this is a this is quite an interesting standing so far for the EWC girls. Yeah, it really is, Jordan. Looking through it, we look, as you said, Keel being the only unbeaten team. We we predict we really predicted Keel and Brilliant kind of being that the one and two for a conference, but the way Keel's handled themselves so far is really, really interesting to me. We saw them beat Valders by a whopping 29 points. So, I mean, I'm right now, right now, Keel's got to be the conference favorite considering that they have, they have that win over Brilliant already. I mean, that would uh, by default put them at the favorite, but it's interesting right now. It really is. TR was a team we were high on looking in. They, they already have losses to Chilton and Valders. And that's, that's very alarming because this Chilton team, we did not expect to be this good. Robert said it best. Robert said that Olivia Hurl for Chilton, she's going to score almost all the points. And if, and that's going to be really it. And if they're able to, they might be able to steal a game or two with that. But right now they've actually been able to take a couple of games with that strategy with Olivia Hurl. 
considering they have already played seven games this year. She's still averaging 27 and a half. I mean, she was averaging around that three or four games and she's, she's continuing that pace, Jordan. And what's interesting here is we could see, here's what I think that could happen. I think certainly with Olivia Hurl, I mean, she's averaging 27 and a half and 11. And I think what could happen here, Jordan, I think regardless of where Chilton finishes up in conference, I think she has her stats. Cause I mean, granted they take a lot into account stats for, for conference player of the year and all those, you know, for basketball, that's just how it is. And I think if Olivia Hurl, I think if she keeps up a pace similar to this, I don't think she'll be able to keep up 27 and a half. I think no, she could win conference player of the year with that Shelton team finishing in the middle of the pack in conference. I think that could happen here. And Jordan, do you think her, if she's up like, cause I think, you know, if it was close, let's say she was neck and neck with like Megan Schumann. And I think if, if that was the case, I think you'd go Schumann based on the team success. But with Olivia Hurl, I mean, she's up seven points a game right now and a significant amount of rebounds over her. Do you think Olivia Hurl, that would put her over the top four conference player of the year right now? I think you nailed it, though. It just really depends on how Schumann and the rest of their team does. Because if they end up number one or even number two and it's a close race, that could be one thing. But right now, you're looking at Olivia, like you said, her stats are insane. I think she gets down to around 20 to 22 points per game. I think that's kind of where she'll cap off and where she'll hit her mark. But at the end of the day, if she's putting up these numbers, I don't care if the team's 500. It will be hard to argue for her not to end up getting player of the year. It's obviously early in the season. We still have a relatively small sample size, but we're moving on with the rest of the season, and it comes down to a matter of how these teams do. Like you said, the, for whatever reason, they really like to weigh how your team does in the conference when it comes to player of the year and stuff like that. And I guess rightfully so, because it's one thing if you're scoring a bunch of points on a bad team that never wins, but one thing if you're scoring a bunch of points on a team that's in the middle of the pack so it's also another different conversation i can't wait to see what happens and i think that's all we got for girls well um i will make one more comment with that jordan i think uh what i'm gonna throw baseball comparison here Shohei otani winning the mvp granted he did two he was a two-way player but look at his team record i think Uh, team record does not mean the most and i think that olivia hurl right now i think she would be Let's say season ends right now. Granted, we're only seven games. We're probably like looking a little over a third of the season, maybe around a third. I think it's actually around a third right now. Yeah, I think, I think it's about. I think right now she, looking at that, I think she's conference player of the year right now. I think just look at stats, stats prove it. Yeah, now, yes, I completely agree. Now, yeah. And I think she certainly, she's a great shot to end the year as conference player of the year. But I, I compare a lot to... She's the Luke Pouts of the EWC girls basketball. I think they're both similar players. A lot of they're carrying the load for their teams, the weak supporting cast around them. Granted, Ron Colley's having more success though than Chilton, but I think you get my, you get my analogy, right? hundred percent. And hopefully that, well, we'll make it very clear with the analogy when we get to EWC boys. So let's move to Luther and big East North two and three. They got another win this past Thursday, good to see. They won their first game of the year, then dropped three straight, including a very close loss to Kohler, 52-50. They were in that game until the very end, but ultimately couldn't come out with the win. They beat Michigan 73-62. They put up some points. That was their most all year by a lot. I mean, the most they put up was 58, so big win there, but we'll talk about it. The big game is coming up on Tuesday as the Lancers head to Ron Colley. Cannot wait for that game. No matter what the records are, no matter who Lutheran has, that is always a huge, huge game. As for the ships, they just beat Sheboygan South 
on the road. Big win for Lincoln. They now sit at 3-1 and one on the year. Obviously, I've been talking about this for a while, though. They have a huge gauntlet coming up ahead of them. Just talking about the South win, though. Braden Kennedy, 23 points. They listed it as his coming out party on Twitter. That is great for him. Mattis Pirak with 17. Ashton Portman with 12. That's the big three for the ships this year. There's no arguing it at all. Those are the three who we're going to see in the scoring table. But now, you host Bayport this Tuesday. So tomorrow you host Bayport. Friday, you head to De Pere, a team that's ranked first in the state, or at least was, in D1. Then on Tuesday, at Tuesday after the 28th, you host Sussex-Hamilton. I don't care their record. It's oh still Sussex-Hamilton. And then two days later, you head to Madison Memorial. I mean, this schedule is insane for the ships, but they've been handling it well to start the year. Obviously, you lose to Oshkosh North, but after the game, when I talked to Coach Tad Cornell, he said, you know what, a month from now, we beat that team. So he's got a lot of faith in his boys. This series of four games coming up is going to be the biggest test for them. I can't wait to see how they do. We'll obviously talk all about it. EWC, let's recap the week for the boys Wild. on Tuesday. Yes, it is. So we're going to start Tuesday, and then we'll talk Friday. Valders beat Chilton 67-39. As we predicted, basically all blowouts on Tuesday. I was at New Holstein as the Roncalli Jets beat them 82-38. to don't let the score deceive you. It was a 12-point game at half. It was close, and then in the second half, they just blew it open. Keel beat Falls 70-51, to and then Brilliant beat TR 56-26. Do you want to comment on these games, or should I mention Friday, and then you comment? Well, it's like we predicted. Yeah. Yes, Go. okay. That is basically all it is there. So now on Friday, just days ago, on the 10th, Brilliant beat Chilton 65-48. New Holstein and Falls, a close one. New Holstein gets the job done. 54-49, Roncalli walloped Two Rivers, 79-21. This was the big-time performance from Luke Pouts, putting up 47 points. No one else in double digits for the team. Joseph Witzek had nine, then Reese Stengel had eight. So other than that, I mean, they were feeding him 47 points, 17 rebounds. Turned the ball over five times, but whatever. Had two steals, three assists, 33 field goal attempts. Next closest was five three players had five so i think that says a lot about that game however this was the big one keel beats valders 63 55 no stats in yet for the game but a little unhappy with your vikings as they drop to keel it's just one of those things though where i think conference games coming so early in the year the second time these two teams meet it'll be maybe not a different story but it'll be very very interesting yeah it was 55 51 with a minute or two left and they kind of Keel got free free throws, blew it open, whatever. But um, it, it was close, is my point. And um, just <sighs> tough game for Valders. And right now, I mean, they're we see them two and one in the conference. Would have hoped they beat Keel because I kind of I had them at this spot where they were like the three. They were they were at their own spot at three. I, I thought they were better than this Keel team, but like maybe they were a step step below that Berlin and Ron Colley, but they had a chance to knock those teams off. I think I think they still do, but. We see Cole Hovey averaging 17 a game, but I mean, I'll like, we'll keep talking about stars scored before we get more into stats, but just, I was, that was a game Valors wanted to win and they rightfully so, I mean, but they didn't. So it's tough there. I mean, still it was their fifth game of the year. They're now two and one in conference. The conference looks basically as we predicted, brilliant Keel and Ron Colley, all three, and zero. all of those teams are undefeated as well. So brilliant and Keel are five and zero overall Ron Colley four and zero. as we said, Ron Colley Lutheran, Coming up, Valor's only two and one team. They're two and three overall. Holstein one and two. 
one and four overall. And then Chilton Falls and TR all 0-3 in conference, one and four overall, respectively, for Chilton and Falls, and then 0-5 for TR. I mean, does TR win a game at all this season? That is a great question, Jordan, and that's a question I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I mean, I, it, looking like it's like Ron Colley in football. You don't, you don't know. Yeah. And I hate to give them that comparison because I mean that's no nobody wants to be compared to that, but I, I don't know. I, I don't think so. It's tough. It is very, very tough. So on Saturday, Marcushan. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing that right, but they had to keel. That game is at 2.30, and then Wrightstown heads to Brilliant. So Ooh. those are the games there. Wrightstown, Brilliant, a big one. It's yep. at Kakana. It's the it's Baird the tournament. and Gusman shootout. That is officially the name. So that'll be fun. Non-conference game for Brilliant might be their first loss of the year tonight. Kiwani is at New Holstein for a 7.15 tip. And then Brilliant is at Southern Door for a 7.30 tip. Then let's move to Tuesday. So tomorrow night on the 14th, three games. Kingdom Prep Lutheran heads to Sheboygan Falls, 7 o'clock, tip off there. Then at 7.15, Hilbert heads to Chilton. Lutheran heads to Ron Colley. Thursday, we are back at it. Four conference games. Good night. Valders and Brillian. This is going to be big between Valders and Brillian. TR and Kiel, whatever, blowout. Chilton at New Holstein. Could be interesting. That could be a good game. I really yeah. think that's a good game too. Yep. And then falls at Ron Colley, which is whatever. What's well, fifty? So, probably. I mean, is that just his bar this season? He's just going to keep going up. He had thirty-seven in one game. Had thirty-six in another. At forty-seven, I mean, he might get to fifty sometime this season. So Thursday's the big night, though. We want to talk about Valders at Brilliant, and you think Chilton New Holstein could be interesting as well, but. I mean, just just give me your thoughts on this upcoming week, stat leaders, whatever you want to talk about. The floor is yours. Awesome. Thank you, Jordan. Battler's brilliant. I think it's going to be a good game. Looking at stats. Right now, we I made an analogy or comparison, let's say, with Hurl and Pouts, because looking at Luke Pouts now, 34.8 points a game, 20.5, or not 14.5 rebounds, my bad. And then he's also at 3.2 assists. So mentioning, Jordan mentioned Witzak and Stangle getting those um getting those points basically they're getting assisted by Luke Pouts most of the time he's really that big player for Ron Colley and I mean, and he's got the... Ryan Fisher as well because Fisher's oh, Fisher. some good things he's he's more one of those kids though where he might not appear in the stat book a lot but he's one you notice exactly and like that's that's Mason Myers for Valders too I think they're similar in that aspect and just looking down the line Jeremy Lorenz 22.2 points a game Pierce Arns, 19.5. Yep, Povey mentioned 17 a game. And Grant Mons, 15.5. And rebounds, Grant Mons, 20.5 a game still. He's still on that pace, Jordan. And then Pouts, 14.5. Lorenz, 13. And then assists, Pierce Arns, 5.2. Witzak, 4.5. Pouts, 3.2. And just looking through this, Jordan, uh, right now, I mean, Luke Pouts, I think Luke Pouts is the front runner for conference player of the year. Again, I think it's an argument you could make Maybe you could say you could make the argument Lorenz could be considered the better player, but you got to look at, I mean, you got to look at like what each player means to each team. I think Pouts on Ron Colley means more than Lorenz on Brilliant. And that might just be my kind of take because I think Pouts, look at the supporting cast he has. I mean, Lorenz has guys like Banky, Braun, Holly. I mean, there's guys, there's guys around them who can score and Pouts doesn't really have that. So that's why we're seeing him really take over. I think that him making me having that greater impact for the, that Ron Colley Jets team kind of earns him that conference player of the year award. Ron Colley's ranked statewide. I believe, what are they at right now? I believe number six in D4. 
So I think you got to look at that too. They're, they're ranked in state. Berlin's not again. Berlin is in a tougher division, but I think that you got to take that into account, but I think that Valor's brilliant game will tell us a lot. I mean, obviously a lot of people are going to have brilliant as the favorite and it makes sense why, but we'll have to wait and see how that game goes. Jordan, um, looking through it. I don't know if there's anything else I really want to talk about other than I think, um, the bottom four are solidified in the conference with New Holstein, Chilton, Spalls, and TR. And the top four are solidified with Valders, Roncalli, Keel, and Berlin. I think, I think it's that simple. I think there's four teams who can contend, and there's four pretenders, basically. That's that's my EWC talk. Well, that'll do it for EWC. Like you said, we'll obviously be talking high school all throughout the rest of the season. Cannot wait. This is a big week for EWC basketball, and it's time for trivia. Let's spin the wheel. I wish, I really wish you could hear the sound of it spinning, but sad that you can't. Oh my goodness. Back to back weeks of Drew's choice. Let's go. Do you remember the categories or should we go over them again? Uh, you want to real, wasn't we, did we do all the baseball ones already? We did the MLB stadiums. That was the only one. We've got grab bag, defunct sports leagues, all time college basketball statistics and football video games prior to 2000. All time college. Let's go. All-time college. All right, you are 6 of 10 here in Season 4. Let's do it. How many players have more than 1,000 assists in their college basketball career? Okay. Is it – we'll do it. Okay, we'll, do, we'll make the rules again. You can guess first, and then I'll give you options. We'll change the rules up a bit. All-time, 1,000 more assists or more. Um, yes. I'm going to say like six. That is incorrect. That's actually going to make this easier because six was one of the options I had. So is it one, is it four, or is it six? I'm going to say four. It is four. So I wrote them down. Bobby Hurley has 1,076. Then we got Chris Corsiani, Ed Coda, and Jason Brickman. So those are the four. One of one start. Good. You got lucky there. Next question. This one, you, if you're going to guess, you just got to pick a number. David Lighty played more college basketball games than anyone in his career. How many games did he play? So he played the most career college basketball games. If you want to throw out a number, you're more than welcome to do so. I would love to. I'm going to say 183. Okay. A little too high. Let's move our options down here. We've got 150, 150, 157, or 161. 157. Yes. Nailed it. He did that at Ohio State. 2007 to 2011. All right. Next question. Obviously, you won't be able to get multiple chances on this one. True or false? Taco Fall has the highest career field goal percentage in college basketball history. I'm going to say true. It's actually false because my boy Azabuki from Kansas barely, barely hasn't beat out. Taco was .7396. Azabuki .7456. Very, very close. I would have said true as well, though, because it's like Taco's not shooting threes or anything. He's just making the easy ones. All right. Two of three start. Who attempted the most three-pointers in a single season? If you want to throw out a name, you can, but I'm guessing you won't get this right. Okay. Well, then I'm, I'm not going to throw out a name because I have yeah, people in my idea. head. And it's not like Steph Curry or anything like that. I was going to say Marcus Howard. Okay. Well, not him, but that was a guess for sure. Kevin Foster, Akeem Richmond, or David Holston. This is a tricky one. Kevin Foster? He's not. Oh, he actually was third. Okay. So he had 380. Richmond had 392. And David Holston had 395. Where did he play so, for? Do we, do we get to know that? Um, no, I didn't write that down. I can look it up, though. 
Okay. David Holston college basketball career. Um, Chicago State. Interesting. Unless okay. this is a unless this is a different college, it might That's be a, a different one. I don't know. I'll try right. All right, we'll go with that. I can always correct myself next week if needed. So there's that. All right, next and final one. I knew this one was going to be tough. This is one of the tougher ones we've done. Final question. True or false? There is one player in college basketball history who grabbed 200 or more offensive rebounds in a single season. I'm going to say true. It is. Kenneth Ferry did it. In 2010, 2011 oh. at Moorhead State. Yep, Kenneth Freed. He was said, right, guy? Yes. Um, yep. Is he the one who, I think there's a video of him talking about how to grab a rebound. And I think he was like doing it to a reporter. I think that might be the oh, guy. Oh, you might be I, right. I think that's Kenneth Freed. So if you want to go check that out on YouTube, that's a funny video. After and a even if it's not him, it's well worth watching. It is still well worth it. And yeah, no, I've. Awesome. I'll take a three out of five. Yeah, that was, that was tough, but that was fun. You know what? You know yeah. what? Yeah. Well, we got to do stuff like that. It can't all be easy. You You're know right. what I mean? No, so, I agree. And obviously I'm, we're continuing the trend of all time statistics. College football might be next. I don't remember which ones we've all done, but we'll keep moving down. I mean, we might do all time hockey statistics. Just oh fun. boy, you get options. So it's not like it's the end of the world, but nine of 15 so far in season four of trivia. I texted you on Friday and I said, what are we even going to talk about on the pod? We ended up with an hour long podcast it was a good one. We thank you all for tuning in this week. Don't forget, Drew, tell the people one more time what we got coming up the rest of the week. Yeah, you guys know the drill. Wednesday, we got Hunter Crepeline coming on episode seven of Drew's College Athlete Spotlight. And then Friday, we got Zach Jared and Drew's Road to a Million coming up. So check both of those out. And yeah. That's all we got, Journey to a Million. I am looking forward to it. Drew Skyberg, you can find him on all the normal places. Jordan underscore PXP on Twitter for me. I think I got some more announcing games. I just saw a text from Damon Rand, so I'll have to look at it. Let's go. What's up? But yeah, other than that, guys, and Jordan Drew underscore sports crew on the Instagram. Listen to my UFC recap that was up yesterday. Jordan Drew the sports crew on YouTube and on Facebook. Please, 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 please tune into Journey to a Million on Friday. We can't wait to see how this project kicks off. We've got big, big expectations for it. Thank you all for listening to episode 40 of Jordan Drew the sports crew, the perfect podcast for you.